Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Marcio Furtado, Adjunct Assistant Professor of Anatomy, Physiology, and Genetics at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences and CEO of Bioseed. Dr. Furtado recently joined us for a webinar where he presents research highlighting the importance of anomalous EEG detection to study experimental epilepsy and assess the efficacy of potential anticonvulsants and neuroprotectants. He also discusses why continuous EEG monitoring at a high sampling rate is critical to properly detect seizures and how to effectively deal with the resulting large telemetry data sets. All right, let's get right into it. The first question today is, what is the difference between nominal implant and software sampling rates, and what is their relationship with transmitter bandwidth? All right, Liam. Basically, the nominal implant sampling rate is the rate at which data points are sampled by the implant. Higher sample rates enable accurate response to higher signal frequencies, and the software sampling rate is the rate at which the raw data is reconstructed in the application software. For example, in the case of uh, DSI technology, the Ponema uh, software. So for plotting, you know, and, uh, and also fe feature extraction. And uh, the channel bandwidth, something that uh, I like to cl clarify here, the, the, the frequency range between the lowest and highest attainable frequency measured in hertz. Again, for the DSI products, products this focuses on the range of frequencies for which the reported signal amplitude remains within an error band of about three decibels. Perfect. Thanks, Marcio. So the next question is, what kinds of pre-processing do you use for your data? Well, in, this, in the scenarios that I, I have to resolve problems, I use a Butterworth filter, uh, which is essentially a type signal processing filter created to have a frequency response as flat as possible in the, in the passband. And uh, this is the kind of filter that was described uh, back in the back in 1930 by the the British engineer and phys physicist Stephen Butterworth. I like also to perform clipping of uh, epochs with artifacts using automatic detection. And uh, there are strategies that uh, I have uh, listed on the paper that we published in the Journal of Neuroscience Methods. It's going to be on the source session for the webinar. Okay, perfect. Now this next question is, what kinds of experiments using EEG, mice, rats, MES, PTZ, BIC, IP or IV, et cetera, does it take to prove the activity of new anticonvulsants? There are several models out there. I prefer models of stops epilepticals that can induce spontaneous recurrent seizures because that's going to mimic the presence of epilepsy. And uh, as I said, it all depends on the objective. For example, as I, I mentioned in the webinar, the intrahippocampal pilocarpine injection better mimics the temporal lobe epilepsy. And it, it doesn't cause the, the widespread damage when compared to the systemic model, for example. Okay, perfect, Marcio. And we also have a few questions that were asked during registration here. And uh, one mm -hmm. of them is, in your experience, what are the most useful tools for EEG analysis? Well, I'll start with uh, FFP. Essentially, uh, a, as I described in the webinar, a fast Fourier transform is an al algorithm that calculates the discrete Fourier transform. And Fourier analysis basically will convert a signal from its time domain, in the case of uh, the EEG, of course, to a representation 
in the in the frequency domain. The advantage is it's uh, uh, relatively simple uh, to calculate. It's fast compared to the calculation of other uh, or extraction of other features. And when, for example, calculate wavelets. By the way, the, wa the wavelet is another useful tool. I particularly prefer the Morlet wavelet because it's more suitable for EEG seizure detection and also uh, artificial neural networks. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Marcio. And so this next question was also asked in registration, and Michael wanted to know, what is the role of machine learning-based analysis of physiology data such as EEG? That's a great question. Let me start saying that, as most people know, machine learning is an application of artificial intelligence, which is based on the concept that we should be able to feed machines with data and let them learn for themselves. And the artificial neural networks are subject of machine learning methods. Basically, a neural network is going to be a computer system designed to function by classifying information similar to neural networks in the human brain. And it can be trained to recognize, for example, images, categorize them according to elements or feature or features that they contain. And the features used to train a neural network determined by you. So let's say in the case of uh, the electroencephalogram, someone can, for example, identify key features of a seizure using, you know, the, the tools I mentioned before, using FFT, more or less, whatever you prefer, and then use these features to train a neural network to recognize the specific types of, of seizures or uh, even brain patterns. Perfect. Great answer, Marcio. And so next question could be, uh, how do you establish a criteria and template to detect seizures since they're so variable? And maybe similarly, how do you address differences in amplitude that might derive from electrode implantation? So usually we calculate the power average in a given frequency band during the baseline and use that uh, as a threshold. They're going to give the reference to the Journal of Neuroscience Methods paper that will be the resource page after the webinar. Perfect. And so another question was, is spectral analysis a good solution for you? Yes, that, that's something that's uh, it's very reliable, but usually I do that uh, combined with seizure duration and seizure frequency. Because it, in particular in the models of temporal lobe epilepsy, it's interesting to know, you know, what what is the seizure frequency. And uh, in terms of, of power spectral analysis, I like to split the power spectrum in different bands, depending on uh, the object objective, of course. Okay, excellent. And so this next question goes back to your section on managing large data sets, and you're talking about how you organize data, standardize, and simplify file names, and also hierarchize the data according to study groups. And so Margaret just wanted to know if you could give some examples on how specifically you do these things. Well, so basically, giving, giving my own experience on that, we run several studies. And uh, of course, you cannot uh, accomplish or, let's say, have all our ex experimental groups done in a single round. And so usually what I do after everything is done, I group, uh, I, I group the data by groups, by experimental groups. So initially, initially we're going to have the data organized uh, by uh, round. So let's say you're going to have animals 1 through 16 or 17 to 32, whatever. And after you, you finish the pre-processing, you take the output of this pre-processing and organize by groups. That's the best uh, thing to do. So in that way, your data will be, you're going to have the raw data according to, you know, let's say the temporal sequence that you collect the data, but your outputs be organized in a hierarchy uh, way. Okay, thanks, Marcio. And so another quick question. Um, 
Monica just wanted to know what platform you use for the Morlet transform. I use uh, uh, MATLAB, and uh, if you take uh, the signal processing toolbox, you're going to find uh, the Morlet function there. There's another paper that, or uh, actually several articles that uh, show, show the use of uh, uh, Morlet wavelet transform to classify seizures and detect seizures. And uh, we can put that as well in the reference uh, or the, the resource webpage after the, after the webinar. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Marcio. Now, next question is uh, if epileptic seizures can be predicted in real time. Yes, but it's kind of tricky. Uh, you know, th that's possible when a sampling rate, when you use a sampling rate, it's usually higher than when you use in, in telemetry. And it's also necessary to record the EEG in multiple brain sites and use a non-linear analysis strategies. As we know, you know, one of the great advances of the EEG is the temporal resolution. You can acquire like a, a thousand of samples per second, but the, the spatial resolution is reduced. So you got to increase the spatial resolution if you want to detect uh, or predict seizures. I'm going to give an example. High, high frequency, in the case of temporal resolution, high frequency oscillations greater than 100 hertz, for example, can be identified near the time of seizure onset, but it's still, seizure prediction is a big challenge. Most of times it's very difficult for several reasons, including the obvious presence of artifacts when you, particularly when you do, when you record a scalp EG, and that can, that can cause false positives or false alarms. And I like how she mentioned that prediction models can be based not only on EG features, but it can also use a clinical features to predict seizures. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.